You're listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses. Discussing the topics that matter to you because they matter to us, including marketing, networking, generating business awareness, as well as covering various business tools and technology. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by Happy Content Co. Welcome to episode 36 of Brumpod. We thought we'd do a little special edition Christmas episode for a roundup of 2020, because everyone wants to dwell on 2020. So welcome, gents. I'm here with Jason and Ewan, as usual. Hello. Hello, Richard. Hello, Jason. Hiya. So it's our last episode of 2020. So we thought rather than dwell on stuff that's happened in 2020, because we all know exactly what's happened in 2020, and I think most of us, quite rightly, want to forget it. So we thought we'd look forward instead. I think there'll just be a gap in in previous calendars they'll just you'll just scroll through the years and it'll just just to be a just a 404 year not famed i'm just i'm just waiting for the mass rollout of lobotomies just to wipe out this year entirely and just start a fresh clean slate for 2021 yeah so what, what are you looking forward to next year well the obvious is the widespread uh, integration of uh, of the vaccines Hopefully that's yeah. going to mean an end in sight for COVID-19. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, post-pandemic parties. Yeah, yeah, I think most definitely. Yeah. I'm not convinced by Christmas in June, though, which some people are pushing. Yeah. I think what will happen is there's been particularly businesses where you'd have had Christmas parties. I think their plan will be to make it an Easter party instead. And then try and sort of reboot the celebrations. And I think that will be good for hospitality as well. They will be looking for anything and everything to get them back up, and so will the public. Yeah, so we certainly need something to help boost the uh, hospitality industry because they've been some of the most affected this year. Yeah. I'd love to say they've gone into hibernation, but it's not even that sweet. It's not the idea that they all sort of close their eyes and they'll wake up in Easter, it will be a recovery from a huge knock that they've taken, even down to employment, because with other economic factors as well, you are looking at a a lot of people that were working in hospitality will move into other areas, for example, care homes, uh, healthcare. Um, The numbers won't be there to support the recovery as well it will be very very hard for them and they will rely a huge amount on people actually coming out and supporting them yeah most definitely so fingers crossed yeah. there will be lice on the uh, at the end of the tunnel for the hospitality industry well personally i'll be supporting the them a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think Again. If, they can, if they can weather the storm that little bit longer if they can keep people on the books that a little bit longer then you know let's let's hope that before too long things will begin to get back to some degree of normality or at least acceptability yeah. of normality that it won't still be normal but at least it should be doable a surviving period rather than a thriving period in the hope that thriving will soon come well there there was the canadian pension fund 
who are investing big in hospitality at the moment because their view is that people are going to want experiences, people are you know, going to want to meet other people and uh, and it should bounce back in 2021 or 22. I think it's a, that's a, good, a smart call. So many people have lost this year, not just people to COVID, but other stuff. And there's nothing more expensive than regret. So many people have now said, myself included, that next year, everything is a yes. Because all those times you said, no, I'll do it next year. And then the next year happened to be 2020 and you didn't get to do it. And now you suddenly realize that, you know, these moments are fleeting. So you take them and you grab everything. And I think hospitality in particular will see a lot of people that would have, you know, they've spent all of they've, they've queued up all their Saturday nights in there. They don't want another Saturday night in for a very long time. Yeah. So yeah, going out will be the new staying in. And talking of fleeting, that leads us on to the next topic of things that, that have happened and looking forward. Fleets, they've arrived on Twitter because, of course, every platform needs stories. And, of course, they can't call it stories. So, uh, yeah, everything's becoming Facebook, everything's becoming Instagram. Isn't that fun? Um, Convergence. Nope. Fleets, because everyone was really missing that experience on Twitter. See so, yeah, that's happened. It'll carry on into 2021. By about think, June, they'll be gone, because no one will use them. But that's just my thought. <laughs> you're, I think you're not the, cynical, are you, Richard? No, not at all. I think that there is going to be a big change with social media yeah. in 2021 that we will have learned from everything that's happened this year. Um, two big events this year were obviously the US elections and the COVID vaccine. And some of the big issues on social media was disinformation. I think that um, there's, there'll be a massive overhaul with with uh, continuing the theme of what Twitter have done with, you know, we'll disguise his identity, but the, there is a person in 2021 that this has affected most, uh, Tonald Trump. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, Tony, I, I know him well. Yeah, so. yeah. With pretty but, much every tweet he now does has a disclaimer saying, this, you know, might not be true. Well, I think as a betting man, I would... Well, I'm not a betting man, but I would hang my hat on this. I think all the platforms, their next logical step is you can report tweets and posts for abuse, hate. There will be a new category, and that is that this... I call bull, basically. You will flag a post as an unsubstantiated claim. And then what will happen is that the person posting will then have 24 hours to either cite reliable sources, delete the post, or have it flagged as unverified bull. Um, Caitlin Moran said something about social media. She wrote that it's in its infancy, and like an infant, it's got a short attention span, it gets angry, and it's easily distracted. Yeah. I think social media will start to grow up, and you will see particularly it started with Twitter but particularly with disinformation about democratic voting um, vaccines in particular you will find people will start posting stuff saying well I've heard this and this means that this someone else will flag it as actually that's an unsubstantiated claim so either back it up with some real facts delete it 
or wear the badge of dishonor that this is you know not even an opinion a poorly thought out post something and, needs to happen because you know yeah. the, there's a lot of talk that you know twitter has just become an absolute cesspit and to a degree it, it, it's absolutely true but, it, but equally we, it does go down to who you follow yeah, we if said you follow nice LinkedIn. people then your feed will be nice but. yeah the, the linkedin we get we deserve if you like a load of random jokey pages that post humorous memes that are often just flagging a, a bit of disinformation how many people have shared an anti-vax post because it was a bit funny but what you are doing is spreading that whole anti-vax thing which is that in the face of verified facts peer-reviewed trusted data all they do is they spread doubt it, you know they treat it like a that the rule about a court of law where you have to convict someone beyond reasonable doubt you have to prove beyond reasonable doubt so all the other side has to do is sow enough doubt to make enough people unsure of the truth that they they don't bother that's the danger and that's why they've got to put these flags in to say this isn't true and it might be funny uh, it might be witty but it ain't true and yeah social media has to take a responsibility for verifying the truth not what is truth or whose truth there are certain inalienable facts and you just if you question them back it up or back away yeah but we've been told for several decades that truth is relative so how do you work it out and who because, decides well take for example the elections if you only watched uh tonal trump's uh <laughs> twitter feed you would be convinced something is wrong but if you look outside of that and you look at other reported sources then you get to the truth but if you're only listening to one source and they're feeding you facts that are unsubstantiated but in a high enough volume then you start to believe the lie so yeah truth is relative to a degree but you cannot challenge that two plus two is four you cannot challenge that if a vaccine has been tested using a system that has been used to test all vaccines prior to that successfully and it hasn't shown any major deviations then it's reasonable to accept that that is safe and you know the the, the doubt is spread well is it a hundred percent safe well, tell me something that is oh so it isn't a hundred percent safe now you've sown doubt it's yeah and i know that for a fact because my be. auntie barbara is clean as dog they know these things because they've got insider information exactly and you get in a, in a high enough volume people suddenly go well there must be something in it no smoke without fire but yeah i, I and yeah, social media will have to start taking responsibility for the content that it puts out and this this will be a this will be a, a way they will do it and i think it will make people grow up on their feed they'll rely less on the the junk the equivalent of a tabloid um facebook um source and start getting more in contact with their friends i mean i i still i don't subscribe to any of those sort of tabloid junky feeds on facebook it's for keeping in touch with family and friends linkedin i use for keeping in contact with my uh, business network um twitter i occasionally read it see a lot of 
caricatures of personas shouting stuff at each other and decide not to get involved because I don't think I can change anyone's mind there. That's just when he's looking at my tweets. <laughs> well, that's sorted out social media. Let's no, no, it hasn't because we, we've... Yes. Um, sorry to be... I'm just, just stirring a little bit and being provocative, but... <laughs> Who decides what's true? Well, what would you... Okay, as a test, because you've got a legal background, what would be yeah. a reasonable test of a fact being true? Multiple rely, uh, independent sources confirming the same thing? Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with that, as long yeah. as they were independent. Yeah. Uh, Peer-reviewed data? Uh, Depends on the peer-reviewing, because some of it is rubbish. But yeah, no, as, as, as a principle... Yeah. But there's an awful lot of stuff out there that is not peer-reviewed yeah, I mean, and the... is is not um, necessarily from multiple reliable sources. Yeah. And it depends, like you said, on the peer group. There's this fine line between democracy and mob rule. Um, there is a fine line between peer-reviewed and just, you know, enough flies around a dumpster does not tell you that, uh, that you know, the, the, the contents are interesting. It's... It's it's a tough one, but I think ultimately you have to take a responsibility for what you post and what you share. And oh, I, I do, agree. Yeah, I do know people, I've got some dear friends, and they actually actively pollute Facebook for a laugh. In other words, they will post stuff they know is disinformation, but it's in protest of Facebook because they went by their nickname on Facebook for years. And then Facebook said, you can't use that nickname, you have to use your real name or we'll delete your account. So now they use their real name, but any opportunity they have to undermine Facebook, they will. Now, when I know that and I see what they post, I kind of have a little sly grin to myself, but I certainly wouldn't share it or comment on it. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a lot yeah. of it's got to be down to personal responsibility with this. Yeah. If, if everyone suddenly saw a wild claim on Facebook or Twitter and if you don't know it to be absolutely true that you've checked it yourself don't share it I think and don't the comment other thing... it. but if you have checked it and if you know for a fact that there are resources out there that back it up then fine the other thing with social media will be that they will make you take more responsibility for your posts the verification is one it will ask you to justify what you've posted and why or take it down or have it flagged but another thing is AI will start to take more of a, I would say, benign role rather than what everything wants to thinks is a sinister role. You will end up with a social media assistant. Um, I, I, get, uh, I get something from Cortana because I use Microsoft Outlook for my emails. And it basically gives me a summary of my previous day's emails. The AI reads my emails and then if something ended with an action point it will send me a reminder have you actioned this yet and it gives me almost a to-do list it's like having a, a secretary that just looks through my emails and then tells me what i need to uh, to action the next day you will find it with networking you'll find it with social media particularly if you're in business and connecting through social media you'll have an AI assistant that says, well, you haven't engaged with your network very much this week. Maybe you need to put a block of time aside and go online. Conversely, they'll also say, well, you've spent a lot of time with your network this week, um, which is great for 
the networks, but have you done your admin? Have you done some of your other tasks? And I think it'll start letting people see what their usage is, how they're using it, and possibly even how they can use it better. Yep, more of that in 2020, I think. Using little AI and snippets like that to make life easier and make things more efficient. Definitely up for that. Right, we move on to a new topic. Another thing we reckon, the continuation and growth of virtual meetings. Everyone has been used to Zoom this year. Uh, yeah. Zoom has really come out of the shadows in many ways, and it's now probably one of the words of the year. And I think if used appropriately, I think there's a very good use case for making use of Zoom and, and similar platforms even more. Because as I'm sure we've all been in the situations where we've had to drive to various initial introductory exploratory meetings with prospects uh, all over the place and, you know, using an initial video conference could save a lot of people a lot of time and money. And it's better than driving the length and breadth of the country on a, on a possibility. If you're meeting a pre-established client and it's a long-standing relationship and and there's a, a need to sort of meet with people in person, then, you know, absolutely do that. But I think the use of video conferencing, I think, when used properly like this, I think could be uh, massively beneficial. Well, I'm looking forward to the public flogging of whoever at LinkedIn was late to market with their, uh, with their video um, uh, communications. Yeah. Because, yeah, messaging... People are just about getting into that, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, a pandemic, and uh, who's this Zoom company? Before you know it, Microsoft Teams is uh, adding meetup little icons to the bottom of your screen, and everyone wants to get in on the act. Yeah, it's mad. LinkedIn is the perfect platform to integrate some form of video conferencing, given the, the amount of users on there. But instead, they give us stories, because <laughs> we all need stories. Uh, yeah, then again, remember when Microsoft were introducing the Windows Phone and it was going to take over and every device was basically going to have Windows on it? And there, that didn't happen either. Sometimes no. a, good, a good platform is late to market and somebody else just takes over. I think they could do it. I think that there's still time. Zoom, Zoom is great, but the free, the free account obviously has its limitations with meeting limits of 40 minutes. Uh, but if LinkedIn thought, oh, maybe let's up that to an hour, you know, give it a nice round number, little I things think, like that could mean a, a big difference. I think the fantastic thing is they turned a, a verb into a brand name because you are now Zooming, not video conferencing or even Skyping, because Skyping was a thing when uh, they first introduced it. Yeah. Now... You don't even have to say, shall we video conference and use the Zoom? Oh, are we going to Zoom? Who's yeah. Zooming? Who's Zooming who? Wasn't that Aretha Franklin song in the 80s? Wow, she was ahead of her time. Anyway, yeah, it's it, it's taken over. Um, whether it can protect, protect its brand name. I know Google were very, very anti having the word Google as a verb in the, in the dictionary because then they'd lose control of it, you know, to Google something rather than to do an online search. They've resisted having that fall into parlance because they wanted to keep their trademark. Zoom probably will have a similar uh, similar issue. To Zoom is could mean any any video platform, but just means that they're the top of the game and LinkedIn are very late to market. Yep. 
And beyond this, I mean, hopefully this will also mean uh, more and more businesses will adopt a more flexible working pattern with uh, with employees rather than, and, you know, rethink the traditional nine to five a little bit more. It's yeah. proved, this year has proved that this can work. It may not work for everybody, as we've discussed in previous episodes. It doesn't suit everybody. Not everyone can or wants to work from home. But I think, it, again, there's a use case there for it. more and more businesses could be more flexible ongoing if it means that some employees with, I don't mean, like childcare issues or something, if, if they would prefer to leave at 2 o'clock and carry on working and do the school run, then, you know, the, there are definitely ways of businesses being able to accommodate more of this now. I think smaller businesses, startups, agile businesses have really taken it in and, and run with it, and it will work. I think corporate businesses, large um, integrated structures, are still finding it difficult because there is a fundamental change in the psychology of the business where you have to have a lot of people working closely together, understanding each other and trusting each other. It's much harder when they're all disconnected and working independently of each other. There's a huge trust gap, shall I say, that can happen. And that's down to a lot of businesses to manage this change and to embrace it. Because the ones that don't will simply, their structure will fall apart and they will fail. So these, it's a double-edged sword. Again, people say it's better for the environment, but you have to think, are we format shifting? Yes, going to see a client, you're burning diesel. You are polluting the environment. However, video conferencing, you're using electricity, you're using the data center. I'd be interested to see what the footprint is, the carbon footprint on how much the increase in home working has, uh, has affected the national grid and the power output. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's even just the central heating. But yeah, I, I'm just reading a headline that says firms unprepared for more flexibility. And that's from the magazine for, for personnel managers. So, you know, there's a lot still to be done. But there's a lot also in, in terms of employee mindset. Because, you know, in big organisations, it's it's that much easier to hide um, you know, okay, not if you're on a production line, but, um, you know, you don't feel maybe part of the enterprise as, as you would, you know, in a startup or something that's lean and agile. Yeah. And it's something you mentioned, the production line, you've got targets and measurements, you've got productivity and output. Um, when people are working from home, you've got some businesses that will just trust you to get on and deliver the results. There are other businesses where they'll actually check up. They'll they'll you have to install software to see how many keystrokes you make, how long you were away from your keyboard. Uh, they'll phone up and check on you. They might want your um, um, find my uh, phone um, option there, so they can actually track and see whether you are working from home or whether your move that little red dot is moving around a shopping centre. And again, there's huge trust issues there. Uh, not just be with businesses not trusting their employees, but employees often not um, maybe taking advantage of the the generosity of their um, company when they give them the option to work from home. And, and further to that, then also it may mean that for the businesses that aren't quite so agile, that could hopefully uh, mean that 
more businesses will see that hiring freelancers for various tasks will have more benefits uh, than having everything in-house. Again, because freelancers are more likely to be far more flexible and agile and adaptable to various situations. So businesses, more businesses could be going down the route of creating a virtual team with a multitude of skills rather than thinking everything's got to be uh, done in-house. So that could be good for the freelancing community. I think, yeah, SMEs will benefit a lot from freelancers, subcontractors, um, but the double-edged sword of you know the dreaded zero-hours contract. Or another thing, particularly in sales, is that salespeople will find it harder to have a career with a company because they will be hiring um, ringers, they'll call them you know, free, freelancers, introducers. And what these companies want is to parachute in a seasoned salesperson who will bring in business and then they can pay them commission on the introductions and then when that flow stops, get rid of them and find someone else. Rather than invest in getting a salesperson, bringing them in, getting them to know the business, getting them out there to know the clients and building the long-term relationships. So they want to pay for the minutes that these people are um, sitting at a desk doing something for them, rather than paying for the years of experience that allow them to deliver those results. So again, I could see a bit of a disruption in the next couple of years where people suddenly don't appreciate, you know, like, like the argument about uh, hiring a plumber and, you know, that's a hell of a lot of money for changing that pipe. I could have done that myself. Well, you could have done that yourself, but you have to learn which pipe, where to shut the water off. You have to buy the tools. Uh, you know, that's what you're paying for, not just, you know, the minutes they spent walking in, doing the job and walking out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're at the, well, near the end of 2020, thank God. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's been a year, hasn't it? It's, it's been a year to um, hopefully forget, not remember. That's all I want to say, it's been a year. That's yeah, all I, I, I want to say about it. all we can say about it. Uh, obviously, we've been affected as premise networking. We haven't been able to have a meeting. Our last meeting was uh, in early March. We haven't had anything since then. We thought at the time, well, we may have to just cancel one or two events if things go a bit weird for a little while, but yeah, we didn't think we'd be in this situation now. We would, in in December, uh, have been doing our Bremies Awards and handing those out at the event, but we, we haven't done that. We can't do that. But we are going to be running a version of our own New Year's Honours list, and we've, we've already selected the people. So uh, do check out that in January. We're not sure when we're going to be back. Hopefully, one or se first or second quarter in, Jan in, in 2021, maybe, if things go uh, the right way, then hopefully we'll be back. But we, we haven't disappeared. We've just had to go online and yeah. you know, we've still been doing stuff. We've been trying to connect people looking for jobs with people that have jobs with some success. We've been trying to keep businesses connected and talking to each other tried to stay in touch with as many people as we can. And of course we're doing our weekly Twitter hour as well, Brummies Biz Hour, hashtag. So for people that are on Twitter then do uh, do join us every Tuesday for that. We're doing our last one of the year next Tuesday and then we'll be back in uh, I think the 5th of January we're starting that back again. So we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, we're, we're still in the ether, we're still here. 
but just in not the form that we uh, would prefer. But we are looking forward to getting back to some semblance of normality and seeing all those people that we haven't seen for so long. Yeah, yeah I'm really looking forward to when we can get to see everyone again. And for anyone listening, it's well worth being on our mailing list because as soon as we have any more news about things we might be doing or when we may be able to get back, then obviously we'll be we'll be sending that out there first. So uh, do do sign up for uh, future details. Keep joining us on Twitter. Keep listening to this if you if you like. But well, I suppose you're listening to it now, so you you probably like it. Who am I to judge? Or just get in touch, you know. It's, we miss yeah. you guys as well. Absolutely. It's weird that I haven't seen you in person for months. Anyways, it's been a joy, but... <laughs> in many ways, it's, it's, it's a loss. I do miss your faces in a, in a weird way. Oh, you won't recognise us when we all meet up again. <laughs> so this is obviously our little special edition added episode for the end of the year this is going to be our last episode of 2020 and again we'll be we'll be back with Brumpod in the new year as well can i just say richard that we've managed to keep speaking long enough to make sure that uh, jason doesn't sing so that's one good thing i was going to say should you we finish on a carol <laughs> I, don't, I don't know carol it's a uh, christmas carol she's she's right up there with eve so this year has been, as we've said, a year. But uh, there's one good news story that I found today, which is certainly worthy of mention. And it's to do with Mackenzie Scott, who is the ex-wife of Amazon multi-billionaire Jeff Bezos. Uh, and it's been reported in the New York Times today, uh, and today for references the 16th of December, uh, that she is given nearly $4.2 billion to 384 organizations in just the last four months. And many of the groups are focused on basic needs, including food banks and Meals on Wheels, uh, in a trying year for millions of people. So this is what billionaires need to do. More people, more and more billionaires out there, if you're listening, uh, who have countless amounts of money that is could be doing far more good than just staying in your bank account. So for anyone that happens to have countless billions in their accounts, be more like Mackenzie. I think that's a brilliant way that gives a nice little cherry on the top to a fairly tragic year. We need more of that. We need more positivity. We need more billionaires to be more like Mackenzie and do immediate good in the world in a very short time frame. So well done, Mackenzie. I salute Absolutely. you. Indeed. And the rest of us can do our little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode and 2020. Uh, so, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, this Christmas is going to be slightly different. Well, well, let's face it, it's going to be really quite different to what we're normally used to. But let's try and make the best of it. Let's just hope this is going to be a one-off. We can then write off 2020 and 2020's Christmas and make 2021 a hell of a lot better than this year has been. So from me, thank you for listening this year. We really appreciate it. And uh, we will be seeing you in the new year. And many thanks to you, gents, as well, for uh, continuing to uh, to do this little project. No, thank you, yeah. and Merry Christmas to all. Yeah, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. 
absolutely what they said. <laughs> Merry Christmas all, and we'll see you again soon. You've been listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by Happy Content Co. Follow us on Twitter, at Brumpod. You can subscribe to future episodes using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and several other podcast platforms. Just search for Brumpod. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please do consider leaving us a review. Music by Bureaucratic. We'll see you on the next episode.